Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, The Joyful Frugalista, and now here's your host, Serena Bird. This podcast is brought to you by The Joyful Fashionista, an online marketplace for buying and selling secondhand and sustainable clothing. Make cash selling as you declutter or buy sustainable and fabulous fashion. Hello Frugalistas and welcome. Today, and you can probably hear from the background noise, I am not podcasting from home, but rather I am coming to you from Orlando, Florida, where I am attending FinCon 22. FinCon, if you've never heard of it, is a conference for money nerds, which pretty much, I guess, describes me. And today I have a very special guest, someone who I've met at the conference and who quite coincidentally I found out is a big name, which is lucky I asked her to be the first guest on this podcast. But before I introduce her to you I have a special request and that is if you like and love this podcast please share it with people and please follow and like the channel so Laura Garepi is the founder and owner of everyday by the lake she is a freelance writer a freelance writing coach and she's also a writing coach and she does many many things um, especially writing for websites so a dream for many people is how to make money from their writing. And today, it's a real opportunity to hear from Laura about her tips on how to get started. And we are also going to dive into talking more about FinCon and what is really happening with financial literacy in the US. So welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for having me, Serena. I'm honored to be your first guest at the conference. Well, I'm honored to meet you um, at this conference. Um, Laura and I are part of a masterminding group, and it's already shaping up to be a really lovely and supportive group. So how are you finding this conference so far? We're on day one. We are. So we're just getting started, but already it's amazing getting to see all these faces that uh, I've seen in years past and gotten to know from online relationships. Uh, FinCon's always a great time. Fabulous. And you are moderating a session later. I am. Uh, Friday, September 9th at 4 p.m. All about freelancing and how it enables you to work around your life rather than live around your work. So you're clearly an expert in that topic. Experts a subjective word. There's certainly folks who know more than I, but I'm happy to share what I know with others. How did you get started? So I took what I was calling then a sabbatical from my full-time career uh, because I wanted to figure out how to make money outside of a nine-to-five. I got paid to write a guest post on a prominent financial website back in 2018. And then a light bulb went off. I said, if I can do this enough times in a month, I can pay my bills. And it kind of snowballed from there. So how did you get to write that first article back in 2018? Yeah, so I actually started with my own blog. So um, I chronicled my sabbatical, how I prepared for it, including financially. And that kind of introduced me to the personal finance niche and uh, met some other folks in that space and stumbled upon the opportunity, which just happened to be posted on Twitter. So right, so you just didn't go in debt and, you know, live for now and put it on the credit card. Well, I have done that at points during my life, I'll, I'll be honest, but no, I certainly had a pretty good financial uh, preparation going for me when I quit my full-time job. 
And so what did that look like, these financial preparations? So I had about 12 to 18 months of cash, uh, you know, worth of expenses in the bank. And I also had some part-time work that I could do remotely, just so I could preserve my nest egg for a little bit as I figured out what I wanted to do long-term. So this is pre-COVID, right? And you already had some remote work you could do. Yeah. So by the time COVID hit, you know, I was already pretty well entrenched. I was making a full-time income. And what did COVID mean for freelance writers? Did that really open it up? I mean, I think so. I think more uh, folks went freelance out of necessity so they could earn money um, while the lockdowns were happening. And I think not having to go into an office or not being permitted to go into an office kind of awakened people into that possibility. So if I can earn money from home in my nine to five, how else can I earn it from home? (laughs) Do you want to go back to nine to five in the office? Do you miss being around people? Uh, That's a resounding no. Well, the people, okay, and some of the people I miss, but not the commute, the cubicle, the overbearing bosses, none of that. Yeah, it's all those things, isn't it? Like, it's just, it's that balance between having that socialization, but also that freedom. Yes, but that's where FinCon comes in handy. You know, conferences and online uh, networking kind of fills that void a little bit. Mm, Being able to meet with people who share your passion. Yes. So let's talk about your writing. What kind of topics do you write about as a freelance writer? What do you like to write about? Honestly, I'll write about anything or pretty much anything as long as it pays well, but I'm primarily in the personal finance, careers, and entrepreneurship niches, and I really adore writing about how to make money. So whether that's maximizing your income and your benefits in your 9 to 5, or freelancing, or side hustles, anything like that, I I really enjoy. So how to make money. (laughs) What are your top tips on how to make money? What do you write about? Uh... Basically, how to ask for raises if you're thinking about how to maximize your nine to five, um, how to choose the right side hustle for you, um, how to network so that you can open up more opportunities for yourself no matter how it is you want to make money. It really spans a pretty large gamut. Wow, that's a lot of things. Let's let's go back and ask. I'm going to ask a bit more about one of those, which is asking for a raise. So I've heard that women are less likely to ask for a raise and less likely to ask for more. Is that a thing? I think so. I mean, the research points to that. Personally, I've never been that shy about it. Um, (laughs) I mean, I do get nervous if I'm asking for a lot of money, but I think with practice. You know, the first time you do it, it could be pretty nerve-wracking. Yeah, it feels awkward, right? Yeah, but then... Then that awkwardness kind of goes away. Once you say, okay, I have to advocate for myself, and now I've done it, I know what it feels like, I can go and do it again. Mm. So I'm always amazed by the amount of people who say that, you know, they didn't feel that they were paid well, and then after they left, they were, like, replaced by two people. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. And, I mean, that's a huge indication of the value they were bringing. Mm. Um, with the Great Resignation, how important is it now for people to be advocating for asking for more money in their current job? I mean, I think it's always important. Um, and I think companies should be paying fairly. If they're not keeping up with the market rates or they're not you know, exceeding those market rates, they're going to lose key talent. Yeah, this is an important thing. And I guess people want, need to be able to keep keep going in their business and not just have gaps. Absolutely. So going back to some of the other topics you write about, let's talk about networking. <laughs> We're at a big networking event. What are your tips for networking and getting the most out of it? 
just do it. I mean, I'm an introvert, um, but sometimes people wouldn't really know that about me because... I didn't guess. Oh, I'm glad. You know, see, I hide that. But, you know, between these sessions, I'm going to go off in the corner somewhere and look at my phone and have a coffee and kind of recharge before the next thing. Um, so you just kind of have to push through it. Um, otherwise, you won't get the benefits of it. I will say that being able to network online really helps. So if you get the jitters face-to-face, Maybe sending emails or, uh, you know, texting in a forum is more your cup of tea. How do you do that authentically in terms of this sort of post-event catch-up? Because I'm sure you've had the same experience of people who try to be fake-friendly because they want to sell their course or whatever it is. Yeah, so, I mean, I think interest has to be a two-way street. So you have to genuinely know what they want to do and care about it, um, and that makes it more likely that they're going to care about what you do and want to make an investment in you. Um, I think it's getting to know somebody on a personal level rather than just looking at it as a business transaction. Yeah, you're right, authenticity. And you can tell, can't you? Yes. You can tell when people just have dollar signs in their eyes when they're trying to transact with you. It just doesn't feel right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that to a point as long as that's not all that you're doing. So it's like I've definitely come to FinCon because I want to line my pockets, but I also <laughs> want to make friends. <laughs> yeah, and you're way more strategic than it than me. This is my first year, so it's kind of really like I guess, you know, apart from meeting amazing people like yourself, my, my main objective is just to kind of to observe. So you do a lot of coaching for people wanting to be a writer and particularly to get into freelancing. What are the some some of the things you work on with people? I really try to meet them where they are. Sometimes folks have already had a couple of clients and some folks are coming in totally green. So we look at their branding. Do they have a website? Do they have a social media presence? Um, Do they know how to network? Do they know how to price their services? Do they understand that they have to pay taxes because they're an employer of themselves? All those kind of things, you know. So I look and see where their knowledge is, where they need the help, and then the the sessions are targeted based on that. There's a real trend uh, in Australia, I'm sure it's the same in the US because we tend to follow a lot of your trends obviously, about expecting writers to write for free in terms of their profile. I can see you, other people can't, but I could see this big shrug like, no, (laughs) it's gross. Um, Yeah, I mean, they say it'll give you exposure and as the the cliche, very true cliche states, exposure don't pay the bills. Um, Well, you can die of exposure too. Absolutely. So, okay, if you're just starting out, then maybe you do one or two unpaid things like you if you've never been published before and you want to have a couple of clips for your portfolio I'll, I'll concede to that you know but after you've gotten a little bit of uh, work under your belt don't do it for free anymore mm, that's good advice and I want to talk to you too about how to write content that really, really works. And we were talking this morning in our mastermind group, particularly about SEO. And you hear SEO a lot, right? And people, for those who don't know that acronym, it stands for Search Engine Optimization. And it's about how you get ranked in search engines, particularly Google. And there's a lot of people who like to sell a lot of spam about how to get high SEO. So now I'm going to ask you about how you get high SEO and also too, doesn't matter. I mean, I think it does matter to a point because if you don't get found, your content can't be consumed. But, um, you know, and I'll preface this by saying I'm certainly not a self-professed SEO expert, but what I think makes a lot of sense is to uh, create content with the user search intent in mind. So what is it that 
your audience is trying to learn find to find out and base your content around those questions that they have and that will form kind of the outline that the search engines follow. So if you are meeting your users' intents, if you're fulfilling their needs, they're going to spend more time on the page and eventually the search engine will reward your site for that. Yeah, that makes sense. But you would be surprised. I know we were talking earlier. I had an experience where with an editor who wanted me to write things based on SEO keywords, but they sort of didn't quite match up with the season in Australia or what people were actually doing, what I was actually physically observing. Can people get a little bit carried away with SEO sometimes like that? Oh, absolutely. I've written for some clients that have given me outlines where it's all like keyword stuffing and... You know, the, the wording is awkward because they want to try to rank for some weird-looking long-tail keyword. Um, and it's just, like, I understand why they're doing it. You know, most of the content or some of the content that I've created is specifically to be found on search engines because my client wants to monetize that particular blog post or whatever with ads. Um, but from a user experience standpoint, it, you know, it can be off-putting depending on how over-the-top the SEO focus is. So how would you work with a client if they said, you know, I want to do this keyword stuffing thing and you're like, (laughs) I guess it depends on the extent. Um, If it was really bad, I probably would discontinue that relationship. But if it was kind of par for the course, then, you know, I would probably go along with it unless, you know, it was about a topic that really didn't sit right with me. Mm, that's That's a good point. And um, how do you work with clients? We were talking this morning too about, you know, how you really shape that relationship. What are some of the questions you ask for a new client? Uh, So what is it that you do? Who do you help? What are their pain points? Uh, More specifically, what do you want me to do so I can see if it's aligned with my skill set, with my bandwidth? And what is your budget? I mean, that's huge. Before we get too deep into this, how much are you going to pay me so I know, you know if it's worth continuing the conversation? And that's for both parties. You know, uh, I learned a long time ago, you get all the way down to brass tacks, you're about to sign the contract, and then you find out that they pay peanuts. Well, you've just wasted both parties' time at that point. So, uh, you know, some people might shy away from asking about pay up front. I don't. That's got to go on the table from, from the start. And it's amazing how much many assumptions can come from that too. I've had a situation with a work contract where it was like three quarters of the way there and my assumption was quite different from their assumption and yeah, it was awkward. Yes, it's very awkward. And I mean, sometimes they might be willing to work with you and, uh, you know, bring the rate up, but oftentimes it's kind of like set in stone and you just kind of have to walk away at that point. So with that, can you make a good living as a freelance writer? Oh, heck Yes. Uh, 100%, but you have to be strategic, you know, it's it's okay to kind of start with low pay to get your feet wet, start building your portfolio, but you should be asking for a raise with each new client that you bring on and, uh, you know, to a point until you kind of reach, you know, the amount that the market will bear. Um, and then if you keep clients long term, you should be periodically asking for a raise. Fabulous. And what sort of topics are emerging in your experience so you talked about some of the things you've written about do you feel that there's any kind of emerging new trends things are becoming more hot is there inflation is it cost of living is it um, debt like what are people interested in 
Well, uh, cost of living inflation has certainly been big uh, the last several months with gas prices, grocery prices. Thankfully, gas is dropping um, right now, so that's been helpful. Also, we've been talking a lot about student loans because President Biden has recently announced a plan to forgive a certain portion of that. Wow, that's huge. It is huge. Um, you know, I think it can really help a lot of people. Mm. So is there anything else that, what, what, what do you like writing about the most? Uh, basically telling people how to go freelance. Anything related to freelancing or self-employment, like I'm all about it. Um, I, I wish everybody could be self-employed, but then, you know, who would run our stores and, and uh, well, our restaurants? Well, self-employed who run their own stores, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a fair point. <laughs> but it does, do you feel that it gives you a lot of freedom to... I do. Um, I mean, I quit my full-time job because I had a death in the family in late 2017. Sorry to hear that. Thank you. And I, I had to fly from Florida to Massachusetts. I had three days of bereavement leave, so I was in my... Three days. Three days. So get over it after three days? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was in my cubicle on Monday and on Friday, and in between, you know, I was expected to mourn. And I thought, well, this is crap. You know, like, this is not an appropriate amount of time, especially with all the travel I had to do. Um, so I didn't want to have to do that again. Um, yeah, I'm shocked that... I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, originally I was trying to uh, think about how I might be able to retire early. So that's why I had amassed, you know, a bit of a nest egg. Because it's like, okay, I want to have this money in the bank. So maybe in 10 or 15 years I can um, say see ya and, and be fully retired in my 40s. Um, but then I realized what else is going to happen in the next 10 or 15 years that I'm not going to be able to fully respond to because I'm locked into this job. Um, and, and unfortunately, as it turned out, um, my dad got sick and, and passed away in late 2019. And I was able to be in Massachusetts uh, for a month, you know, to be with him in his final days, to help my mom make the arrangements, to help her get the life insurance and, you know, the whole bit just to kind of get her settled back down. And then when I tried to return to work in January of 2020, I couldn't do it. You know, I was mentally and emotionally a mess. So I took a sabbatical for the entire first quarter of 2020. And when I was ready to uh, start writing again, I had clients. I mean, like, what full-time employer is going to let you walk away for four months, you know? So freelancing quite literally saved me in that moment. I'm so glad that you found a lifeline through some difficult times and it must have been very special for you to be there for your mum even during very difficult times. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's why I'm so passionate about spreading the message of self-employment and getting people to realize that it's closer in reach than they might think because it's going to let them enjoy more freedom than they could possibly imagine. Mm, and it seems like this definitely has done that for you. Absolutely. So I have one final question for you, which is, do you have a frugalista tip to share? Oh my goodness. Well, do you have many? <laughs> you can say more than one if you like. Well, I was going to say, actually, uh, money burns a hole in my pocket. I've never been entirely frugal, so I do apologize to your audience, but I will kind of throw back uh, to one of the things we discussed at our mastermind this morning, and I know... Um, you know, it's an area that you're passionate about, as, as I am too, and that, that's values-based spending. Mm. So 
I value travel, I value convenience, I value experiences, and I, I pay handsomely for those. You know, I get my groceries delivered, I get takeout, I go on vacation, but I don't replace my shoes until there's a hole in the sole. So, because I don't really care about shoes. So my tip would be to really look at your priorities and put your dollars behind them. That's great advice and I totally agree. It's about what you value and often too we think we should value things based on what other people value. Yeah, I mean it's really tough to not follow the crowd sometimes, to you know, not compare your life story to someone else's. But at the end of the day, you've only got this one shot, so you might as well make it your own. That's a great way to end this podcast, a great quote. Thank you so much, Laura, for being my guest, and I am so honoured to have you in my mastermind group, and it's great to meet you at FinCon. Thank you so much, Serena. I'm so glad to have met you too, and, and thanks for having me on. Thank you. You've been listening to The Joyful Frugalista with Serena Bird, and of course, sound has been by Neil Hadley. Star